Hey, good evening. Good to see y'all. Thank you for being here this evening. My name is Wes Butler. I'm the director of family ministry here at the Dallas campus. Uh, it is uh, such a gift uh, to be in this room and to be with you. Thank you for trusting us uh, with your time this evening, for coming out uh, tonight, for finding babysitters, many of you, I'm sure, to uh, be able to be here, or at least for maybe a spouse who's staying home and uh, while you're here. Uh, for those of you who are joining us on the live stream, Facebook Live, welcome. We are really glad that you are able to join us for this tonight, and, uh, and so it's going to be a really fun night. Hey, before we get too far, uh, I'm going to ask you uh, to, uh, I know about 500 of you registered for tonight, which is amazing, and uh, we're just so thankful. And so, But if you showed up tonight and you didn't register, you're okay. We still like you. But we are going to send you an email at the very end of this. It's going to compile a lot of stuff that you're going to hear tonight. And we want to make sure you get that email. And the only way you're going to get that email is if you have registered for this event tonight. So if you would, right now, pull out your phone. You can go to watermark.org slash parenting conversations. It'll take you directly to the registration page for that. And if you did not register, you want to do that now so that at the end of the night, you can get uh, the email that we will blast out that will, again, just kind of compile a lot of what we're going to talk through, and it'll keep you from having to furiously write down notes and things like that. Now, we hope that you do take notes, and uh, would welcome you to do that, but that is going to be um, uh, the easiest way we can get you a ton of great information. So uh, I am so thankful uh, for the opportunity to talk about this. As I was thinking about tonight, I was thinking about Proverbs uh, and just uh, the beginning of Proverbs, how really through the first seven chapters of Proverbs, you just see a father talking to his son and just encouraging him and challenging him. And there's really kind of two different voices that the father in the Proverbs takes on. And it's the two voices that as I think about all of our parenting conversations that we ought to have, that we as parents, God is calling us to carry on with our kids. The first one happens in Proverbs chapter four. I just wanna read it to us. It says, hear, O sons, a father's instruction and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live, get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you, love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her, and she will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Hear, O son, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered, and if you run, you will not stumble. He just goes on, and it's just this encouragement, right, that we as parents want to give to our kids that just says, look, if you follow the ways of our God, it's going to go really well for you. And we get to talk about the rewards and the blessings of following our God. And that's part of, that's half of our responsibility as parents who are uh, abiding with Christ, who are following his example, is to hold up and say, hey, we want to propose to you that following God is the very best thing that you can do. And so we want to hold out the blessings. In the very next chapter, though, we see a different voice from the Father. And he says in uh, Proverbs chapter five, verse one, he says, my son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding. You hear him saying kind of the same thing, but that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander and she does not know it. 
And now, O sons, listen to me and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless. Lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and body are consumed and you say, how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. And now I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. And so the other voice that we as parents have to give to our kids if we truly love them is that voice of warning. It's that voice of saying, hey kids, if you choose to rebel against the ways of this good and gracious and loving God, there is pain and destruction and even death at the end of that. And so we wanna be faithful parents who are warning our children away from the destruction that awaits them. And so tonight is really about us uh, looking at a specific topic and having both of those voices within this topic. A voice that says, hey, if you follow the ways of God, it will go well with you. And if you ignore the ways of God, there is pain and hurt and destruction there for you. And so really what we want to talk through, and every time we do, we hope that we're going to do multiple of these over the course of you know, maybe a couple a year. But what we want to do is every time that we have one of these conversations, we really just want to frame it within the, the simplest thing that we can do as Christian parents, which is to frame it within the biblical worldview. That if we understand the, the way that we ought to view the world, man, almost all of these conversations that we are going to have with our kids can, be, uh, can fit into these little five categories of a biblical worldview. And so I wanna share those with you tonight and then I wanna give you a real quick uh, look at what we're gonna talk about and then we're gonna pray and welcome up uh, the elders and, um, and some guests with us. But a biblical worldview is just simply this. It's that God created everything, that everything God created is good, that sin marred God's creation, God redeemed creation through Jesus Christ, and then God will restore creation. If you're trying to write this down furiously, don't worry about it. It's coming to you in an email, okay? But this is the biblical worldview. And so as we prepare ourselves for conversations with our kids about sex and purity, those five categories serve us really well. And so it goes like this, and this is the main message that we have to teach our children as we address sexuality and purity. And by the way, I'm stealing a lot of this from our amazing student ministry team who is going to be sharing this with your junior high students if you have kids in junior high over the next few weeks. They're going to be walking through this outline with your kids, teaching them a biblical worldview and an understanding of sex. And so as we look at those five principles of a biblical worldview, we see here that God created sex and it is good. This is God's creation. It is his um, his purposes, his design, and what he created is good. And then God's good design is this, that it is meant uh, for sex is this, is that it's meant for marriage, that it's meant for man and woman. It's meant for mutual intimacy and enjoyment. It's meant for multiplication. And then it's meant as a model of us and Jesus, as we see uh, the writer of Ephesians, Paul, talking about the mystery of the two becoming one, Okay. And then we can look and go, but sin has corrupted sex. So that was God's good and perfect design. Now sin has corrupted sex and it lies to us and it whispers these four lies among others. That sex is limited to going all the way. It gives our kids the freedom to go, you know, because I didn't have intercourse, then I can do all these other things leading up to it. And yet that's not God's standard and that's not God's very best for our kids. And so that lie is coming at them. Lie number two is this, that sex can serve whatever purpose I choose, that we can take it and put it in any category that we want to and it's gonna be just fine and we get to enjoy the benefits of it. 
And yet that's a lie that we know that many of us know from our own personal scars, right? Number three is that sex leads to love. We're living in a world that tells us, hey, if you want to uh, know whether you love someone or not, you must sleep with them. You need to live with them so you can figure out if you're compatible in this way. And this will help you to build love. And yet we know the truth of that is that sex follows love and commitment and marriage. And then lie number four is just this, that sex can be safe. And yet the only place that sex can be safe is within the safe confines of what God has given us through his word and the design that he gave it for marriage. And so these are the ways that sin has corrupted sex. And so then number four is this, is that the gospel of Jesus redeems our sexuality. And so as our kids come to a saving faith in Jesus, we get to hold out this hope to them in a number of different areas, but even in the area of their sexuality that says that the gospel, first of all, does, it reveals our brokenness. It's not, it's not uh, surprised by the fact that we are broken individuals, that our desires are not all that they should be and could be. And so the gospel convicts us of our sin. The gospel forgives then our rebellion, that no matter what has happened to our kids, no matter what has happened to us, no matter what scars we have willingly welcomed, that there is grace that covers our sins. And then it defines our path forward. It tells us, okay, hey, you have gone this way. And just like Jesus looked at the woman caught in adultery and said, now go and sin no more. The gospel gives us a way forward. And says, look, let's return back to, as Jesus taught uh, in, in Matthew chapter 19, let's return back to the way that God designed it for man and woman to leave their father and mother, to cling to one another and become one flesh. So it defines a path forward and then it empowers our obedience, that we believe that the gospel of Jesus, when we trust in Christ as our savior, that the Holy Spirit indwells us and gives us the power to be able to obey and follow him. And so we see these four principles and that just leads to the last one, which is just this, it's really simple, that Jesus is coming again, that we get to hold out the hope that Jesus is gonna restore all of creation to the right and good place that it is. And that is our hope. And so tonight, what we're going to do is just spend some time uh, letting you hear from the elders who have parented kids through these seasons, who are in the midst of parenting kids through some of the seasons that your kids are in, to hear how some of these things have worked themselves out through some of the questions that you guys uh, gave to us. Thank you for uh, those of you who sent us questions and just asked us. We're going to try to, as best we can, get to kind of the... Uh, the most popular questions of the night, we probably won't be able to address everything. That's okay. Uh, we will try to follow up with you in that. But we want to resource you tonight. And I am so thankful that you're here. And so I'd love just to pray for our time. And then I'll welcome up uh, the elders and uh, their wives and other guests. So, Father, we thank you uh, for just your goodness and your grace in our lives. We thank you that your word is true, that it can be trusted, that there is a God who created us and created everything good. And Father, we grieve over the brokenness that is in this world that our kids are in the midst of and this particular topic and so many others, the the brokenness that marks our own lives and our own stories because sin entered the world. And yet, Jesus, we thank you that you are the king who came to save. You came to redeem and restore. And so, Father, I thank you as I just scan this room. I get to look in the eyes of friends who I know that you've redeemed their story. You're using it for good. And so, Father, we, I pray that we would be reminded of just the, the goodness and the hope of the gospel. And, the, Lord, we would hang our hope on the fact that you are coming again, Jesus, to make all things right, to make all the sad things come untrue, 
and to allow us to experience your fullness and your goodness because of the grace that you've given to us. So I pray that you would use tonight to instruct our hearts, to equip us as parents, Lord, that we might um, really be able to serve the kids that you've given us. I pray that you would help us to see our kids as, uh, as yours, not as ours, and that we are just your stewards, that you have in some crazy way placed us in charge of for the season of their life. And so, Lord, will you help us to be faithful? And will you use tonight to equip us for that faithfulness, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. All right, would you guys welcome up the elders with me right now and their wives? And and you can welcome David Peniel, too. Yeah. <laughs> Future elder David Peniel. That's right. <laughs> I dressed like an elder tonight. You are dressed like an elder tonight. So proud of you. All right. Awesome, guys. Well, uh, I'm going to let them, Todd, I'm going to start with you, let you introduce your family. Just, I don't know how many of you have know their families and all that, so this is just a great chance for them to get to meet your family. So. Yeah, awesome. Hey, it is really encouraging to see how many folks are here just to go. I want to be a little bit sharper, a little bit more equipped as a parent, a little bit more um, confident in fulfilling the task and the charge that God's given me so that they can be a blessing to their kids. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being parents that care and love their kids. This is my wife, Alex. We are coming up on three decades of marriage. We have six kids. We got one grandkid present with us, two hiding in mama's womb, and uh, different daughters that are uh, pregnant now with grandkids two and three. But um, yeah, we have uh, absolutely loved the privilege of being parents and shepherding our kids through this conversation and many, many others, and have experienced the blessing um, of God's word instructing us how to do it. That's awesome. Both. Thanks, Wes. Uh, this is my bride, Natalie, and I'm Bo Fournette. Uh, 22 years of marriage and six kiddos uh, with our oldest two in high school. And there they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was a picture up there behind you. You look great. Sorry. <laughs> uh, hey, guys, David Leventhal, my wife, uh, Missy, and I have been married 20 years. We've got seven kiddos, uh, five biological, two through the gift of adoption. Uh, ages 16 down to two and a half-ish. I'm David Peniel. I'm just sitting by David tonight. <laughs> David leads our student ministries, all right? And, you know, it would, 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 and, and he is a blessing on this. We did a, we did a topic. There's actually a resource on the website, uh-huh. right, that was about technology and uh, pornography and sex. I forget mm-hmm. exactly what that night was called. Do you remember, David? Yeah, uh, I don't know what it was called. But this was maybe... Eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And I will tell you, there's a gentleman that that literally travels around the country speaking in this topic. One of the most respected experts on this topic in the country. And he and David were on the stage and consistently, the way David answers these questions, I went back to and go, that was a better answer. That was more insightful. That was informed by scripture. And I'm telling you, that's the guy that has been part of, as we have others on our, our student ministry staff that are leading our kids. It's a tremendous blessing yeah. to have you. So David's wife, Missy, by the way, is down there. Yes. Uh, David Leventhal's yeah, wife. Yeah, yes, yes. Uh, my, my wife, Missy, not yeah, Missy. down there. <laughs> and you're going to get to hear from maybe some of our kids. I've, we've got uh, two of our kids are here tonight along with one of our son-in-laws, and they're going to jump in with us when it's appropriate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My family's on the screen. I've got three kids, an 11-year-old, a 9-year-old, and a 6-year-old. And my wife's at home. And I've, uh, as Todd mentioned, I've, I've gotten the privilege of serving here for the last 16, almost 17 years, working with junior high and high school students. And I'm still 
in that role. And so uh, I think that's why I'm up here, just to add that perspective of yeah. somebody that's gotten to know uh, your kids uh, kind of in that way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we wanted David to be able to represent uh, that just from his years of experience as well as, as a daddy himself and walking kiddos through this. So we're just going to dive right in. Guys, the, the number one question that, that uh, people want to know on this, right, is when should we start talking to our kids about this? And what do those conversations look like? And so I'd love for you guys just to jump in and maybe Natalie, I'm gonna let you start uh, on this one, but just what are some of the best practices that you and Bo uh, deployed as you were talking to your kids about this and, and just help us out? When should we start doing that? Okay, well, as a mom, we, well, as parents, we both um, started early. I mean, it was as early as we were talking about anything with them. Um, we now have a two-year-old and with our two-year-old, we're already talking about this conversation because we're talking about it with our other kids. So we talk a lot about this with our eight-year-old and 11-year-old because they're just in that middle of the age range that um, they're asking lots of questions and they're also getting exposed to a lot from neighbors and friends and um, just things that they're getting into themselves and that they might see on a screen, you know, accidentally or something. And so we're having a ton of conversations, but when they were real little, one of our best practices for me as a mom was I read books. I'm a really big children's book lover. And I think some of those resources you'll see on the paper you take home, but I love just reading books with them that are really sweet and age appropriate and let that be a conversation starter. And then the other best practice I think for us was um, when they were young, we did more one-on-one -on -one conversations because it just allowed for questions that they could ask and, you know, just kind of see where they were thinking and let them lead some of the conversation. They might just go off and play and be done with the conversation really quickly, or they might have lots of questions they wanted answered. But as they've gotten older, we've really partnered up, maybe the older boy with a younger boy or um, our teenagers together and just let those conversations even be um, a little deeper because the older kids can really start answering some of the questions for us to their younger children. Yeah, Bo, talk about that. You, sh you shared that story about you kind of telling Caleb, hey, come on with me. Absolutely. So um, we found out, this was about two months ago, um, I was at the office and Natalie called me and said that um, our 11-year-old son was having conversations with a couple of boys his age uh, a block over uh, where they started talking about um, masturbation and sharing a video uh, that they had seen with our son and realized that was some topics where he was not as equipped on it. And so I just told Natalie, hey, I'll take him out to dinner tonight. And I texted my 16-year-old son and said, hey, you're coming to dinner with me tonight. And about five minutes before we left, I said, we're going to talk to your younger brother about uh, masturbation and pornography. And I want you to help me in that conversation. Um, and, um, and the good thing, I mean, this is a conversation I've had with him a number of times. And so uh, he was prepared. And I think all of us, when we teach on something or speak about something, you have to start asking how you're doing on those things and really be introspective. So I brought him in and we had that conversation and I started and he jumped in and, um, and it was really encouraging after I had you know, told my son, my younger son, uh, that I really wanted him to have conversations with us when anything came up uh, that he thought was inappropriate, he didn't understand, um, or he thought we might be able to help. Uh, and Caleb was able to jump in as his older brother and speak about how much it's meant to him to do that and how much it's meant to have the right kind of friends that are gonna help you in that area. 
And I think when siblings could talk to younger siblings about this, it provides a credibility that at certain stages with each of our kids, uh, you feel like you don't quite have the voice with them that you'd like to have. Let's, yeah, let's, let's stay on this one a second yeah. because I think people are like, wait, that's all they're going to say? No, about, no, no. You know, I think most people uh, you know, start too late. Mm-hmm. I think we're, we're, we wait until we're absolutely sure that we're going to do it exactly right. And I would just tell you that if you wait until you're sure you're going to do it perfectly or anything, I mean, what in your life you go, I'm not going to do this until I can do it perfectly. I mean, you don't make a cake like that, right? okay? And you're baking a soul and a child, you're teaching that child and so if you wait until you're absolutely certain you're not going to make any mistakes when you're doing this, you're going to make a mistake. Okay, start early. And what I would just tell you is just a great principle in this whole topic is you, you want to um, answer the question your child is asking, right? And so when a, a three-year-old asks you where do babies come from, they're not asking you about the intricacies of uh, human intimacy. They, they want to know you know, where, where, mom, where are babies? Do they come from storks? You know, the, there's cartoons on TV. If they watch Bugs Bunny, they're going to tell them that. And they're like, I've never seen a stork. Is that where our little brother's coming from? Or mom, maybe there's an older sibling and sees uh, mom's stomach growing. And how did that child get in there? And does it hurt when it comes out? And you start to talk to your kid right away and you answer the question they're asking. There's a couple of funny stories about this, but I just want to inject this right here. We should not be ashamed to talk about what God was not ashamed to create. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, sex is not dirty. Sex is a gift, and it's beautiful. Um, and like any of God's gifts, if we use God's gifts in a God-forbidden way, they won't be the blessing that he intends for us, which is why he's given us his word to instruct us. But let me just say that again. You should have no shame or no fear in talking about what God was not ashamed or scared to create. And you should talk to your kids about how God, what a good God, God gives us pleasure right? That's one of the purposes of sex. Mm-hmm. And you shouldn't be afraid to tell them that, right? I think, but when a kid asks a question and they're three, they're not asking you, okay, about, um, I don't need to go into the details, okay? But, but I think what you just need to do is, is figure out a way that you're going to answer to a three-year-old's satisfaction. Their curiosity about sex is not a problem. It is evidence that they're made in the image of God. It says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to seek out answers to questions. And so your child is trying to understand, and they're naturally curious. And what you want to do is answer that curiosity in a way that blesses them. So, you know, lots of of funny stories we could do on this, but sweetie, go. Well, I was just going to say, I think it's great because the, um, the biology, the mechanics, and the gift of sex are all by God's design. And so that's the way to start your conversation. And when your kids ask any of those three, in any of those three areas that, that God designed it. And I know in, um, in Bible study with the little kids, we always start with God's word is absolutely true and it can be trusted. And so it's really great to, to be able to start any conversation that you have with your kids about any of these topics by God's design. Yeah, so. yeah I, think, uh, yeah, I think it's helpful to remember that... Uh, when we think about having conversations about sex, right, uh, for, you know, little guys, we're not, we're, we're setting a foundation so that as they grow older, we can have the conversation that most of us struggle with, right? And so you can't, you don't start talking to a three-year-old about thrust, lift, and drag. You're talking about a plane. You talk about how it's got wings and it goes in the air. So that as they get older and are interested in engineering, you can talk about thrust, lift, and drag, the more intricate, detailed parts that they're interested in. So don't hear that, you know, uh, my two-year-old or 
and, uh, and the four next two-year-old is, you know, having a conversation with, you know, about sex. We're having a conversation about God's plan, how God made the body, which is obviously important, and you'll build on that later as they age. And so don't be intimidated. And so I think I want to be careful as we use the term when we talk about sex, that we're not like, how you're talking about sex with your four-year-old? Well, we're setting the foundation mm-hmm. to, to build on that as they grow. Yeah. Well, and the great thing about kids, too, is that you're going to, if you whiff the first time, they're going to ask those same questions multiple times. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have opportunity. Yeah, unless you shame them, yeah. mm-hmm. you, you get flustered, you make it clear. Kids are incredibly perceptive, and if you let them know, we don't talk about that in our house. Let me tell you what, they, they will learn to not talk about it in your house, but they're going to talk about it. Uh, statistics show that kids say that they learn about sex, 22% from their parents, 37% from friends, and, and the rest from media, entertainment, and things of that sort, and uh, you know, television. You don't want them to learn about sex from a worldview, as, as Wes set us up in this, that is not informed by the fact that God's word is true, God's not trying to rip you off. He's here to set you free. You look them in the eye and you talk about how beautiful it is. But, but because it is, sex is a gift. And I, I will tell you that your kids aren't looking for you to so much have the sex conversation with them as they want you to develop a relationship with them mm-hmm. where they can talk about anything, including sex. I'm gonna say this again. We should not be ashamed to talk about what God was not ashamed to create. And the biggest problem uh, that most of us have is there's a stigmatized view of sex, maybe because we've been hurt by it, maybe because we weren't parented well, maybe because we don't have a biblical worldview. So the very first thing that you can do to serve your kids is make sure you're informed on the topic of sex. And then you're ready to answer a question in a way uh, that I'm going to give you a couple of things. I think this is helpful that I used that, that satisfied our two-year-olds and our four-year-olds and our three-year-olds when they would ask about that. And um, I would just I would just use words like, well, here's the way it works: is that God has intended that moms and dads bring children into the world, and um, He does it in a way that mommy and daddy's love, and it's a gift. But daddy has a seed, and mommy has an egg, and daddy gives that seed to mommy when it's time for them to have a child, and God blesses them and gives us children. Right, and that satisfies most kids. All right, dad's got something, mom's got something. They work together, they love each other. It's a gift, and children are a blessing. You know, but like sometimes kids are going to ask further questions, like, okay, well, how's dad give a seed? Okay, one of the things that I think is appropriate is you learn to use anatomically correct terms. You don't, you don't ever say awkwardly, well, like you know that thing at the end of your hand, the grabber. You know, um, you call it a hand. Okay, and and there is a name. Say, well. Daddy gave, God gave dad a penis and mom has a vagina and the seed comes through dad's penis to mom's vagina. And the kid might even say to you like something like, like they might go, what's a penis? And you just go something that God gave men so they can deliver the seed and, and, and just calmly respond. Okay. And you say, these are great questions to be asking because you want to know the beauty of God's design. And these are the right questions to ask me. And anytime you have a question about that, let's talk about it. A kid might say, well, mommy, your vagina, isn't that where you go to the bathroom? Right? Now, that's awkward, right? Why'd God put a waste management system right by an amusement park? That's, that's, that's just, that's bad zoning, you know? I mean, uh, and so just, you, you want to kind of go, you know, you got to explain to the child, all right, note to self, you know? And, and so, so just, be, just be ready to explain that. And just say, that's a great question, but that's not, that's not where daddy puts the seed. But man, what a great 
Great question you just asked. And again, your calm and um, your ease and your confidence in God's beauty and God's design, okay, is part of what's going to give your kids a great deal of comfort. Like, my dad's got this. The God he knows has got this. And I don't need to be looking around curiously trying to figure out from somebody else that's not going to help me. So answer the question they're asking. Can we laugh one more time? It's like a guy, one more time, and then we'll go to the next question. It's like a guy said, and this is just a good way to say this. I'm saying part of this so that when you teach others about this, you have these kind of illustrations about a guy that was out there delivering a, you know, a calf from this cow, and he realized that his son had followed him out of the field, and he sees this kind of bloody you know, mess happening, this delivery of this calf, and, and the kid's just with his eyes wide open and his mouth you know, wide open, and he goes, oh gosh, now I'm about to have the conversation with my kid. And so the cat was out, and he turns to his son, he goes, son, you got any question? And the kid goes, yeah, just one. Goes, How fast was that calf running when he hit that cow, right? <laughs> and so just don't freak out. It's good to ask questions about even what their question is, yeah. Yeah. okay? And just understand that you just answer to the, the level of their curiosity, yeah. and you answer in a way that you're just so grateful. You can look them in the eye and tell them about the goodness of your God mm-hmm. that has blessed you with a gift that's tied to pleasure and procreation and protection and all the other pleasantries of God and sex. I told yeah. Wes his challenge was going to be to get past question one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's really why most of people Not, are here, right? They yeah, want to know, when do I start? You can't start yeah. early enough, and you can't be calm enough and confident enough when you do it, but don't wait till you're perfectly ready. I'm going to be brief. Yeah. I love the way the question was asked is when should we start talking? It's not when should we have the talk, but start talking. Yeah. And to summarize what they said, it's, it's early, it's often, and it's appropriate to their age. Yeah. And the only thing I would add to everything that's already been shared is I, I don't want anybody to only hear that the talk should only be had, the conversation should only be brought up in response to their curiosity. Mm-hmm. There, there is a necessity uh, for us as parents to be proactive with our children yeah. at a young age when, you're, when they're bathing or using the restroom, you, you do have to instruct them about what parts of their body are private and not to be touched by others. And then if curiosity results from those conversations, explaining to them what those body parts are for at a level that's appropriate for their age. But, but don't sit back and wait till your kid asks the question and then you, you just know I have to answer yeah. the question that they're asking you do have to be proactive as a parent to prepare them um, so they know what's appropriate and what's not appropriate because there's large sections of their life when they're not within your sight. Um, and so you want to make sure they know, hey, if, this, if, if anybody ever tries to touch this or show you this or, you know, whatever, uh, that that's not okay and here's how you should respond. Yeah, that leads really well into our second question. I, just in summary of that, I think uh, hopefully you've heard us say there is uh, one of the misnomers of even our terminology is, have you had the talk with your kids? And the reality is, it's not the talk. It is the 18-year-long conversation that you're going to have with your kid, and even longer, really, uh, of continuing to talk about this with your children as you've built that intimacy. And so you want to uh, have these conversations early and often and keep on going. The resource we're going to hand you as you walk out is just kind of a general guide that is going to tell you, hey, here's some of the conversations you want to have before they're five years old. Here's some of the conversations you're going to want to have before they hit puberty. And here's some of the conversations you're going to want to have before they go into high school. We're going to give that to you and, and some other resources that will help you. But. And, and we, Wes, we just got to say at the front, listen, you need to understand the conversation you're having is about the goodness yes. and the beauty of God. 
And sex is a component and an expression of that. And when we meet God-given needs in a God-forbidden way or legitimate desires are met in an illegitimate way, we step outside of God's blessing. There is a way of the wicked. And it doesn't lead to blessing. And so, but look at them and make sure you get to celebrate um, the kindness and the goodness of God. Your goal is not purity for your kids. That is a byproduct of your goal. Okay? And when you make... When you make the assignment purity, then you're going to set kids up for failure and guilt and shame. What you need to do is to say, this is not about um, an accomplishment. It's about a relationship. And the relationship is with God. And as the scripture says, right, he whose heart is fixed on this purifies himself. When you run after God and go his way, and you see he's the purifier, and he's the good one, and he's the blessed one, you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, not lying to your kids about sex. One of the problems we have is that we act like sex is a problem and sex is dirty. It's not. And so you never, ever need to make your kids uh, or, or deceive your kids by telling them, don't talk about sex, don't touch sex. You, and, and then the night before they get married, you go, hey, by the way, that whole thing about sex being bad, I'm kidding. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. You can't just flip that switch. It's why there's so much sexual dysfunction in marriage. Mm-hmm is that we have people in churches that believe we, we aren't allowed to have sex except for the purpose of procreation, and I feel rigid and stiff, and I can't get over the fact that I was told ever since I was a little girl that this is something only bad girls do. God forbid that you would raise your children to think only bad girls have sex or only bad guys have sex, okay? So you just talk about it when it's appropriate in a way that celebrates it at the right age, and you're right, David, you don't wait just so they have questions. You slowly introduce them to the multiple, the multiple glories of God and all of his creation. Can I, one, one other thing on this before we move on is there are those milestones, right, uh, that you just go, I mean, this is an important time. And so I know, uh, you know passport security is something that some of us have used when our boys turned or girls turned 13 and just went, hey, this is a time where we're going to have dedicated 48 hours together, just mom and dad or, or just, yeah. uh, you know, dad and son or mom and daughter where we're going to talk about these things. And so there are those times where you're going to have extended conversations, but it is all along the way. Let, let's go on uh, and just talking about, because Todd, what you just said is right, that our enemy is lying to us and telling us this is something to be ashamed of. And the enemy is using this and has used this since the Garden of Eden. It is uh, the, the oldest lie in the book that we have to cover our nakedness and, and be ashamed of these things uh, because of our sin. And so uh, in the vein of that, there is a lot of deviant out there, right? And uh, there are things, and I think we as parents are probably in a place of uh, heightened fear sometimes in our culture because of whether it's the media or whether it is the prominence of things that we're hearing about, things that are done to children and all that. And, and so how have you guys been proactive in protecting your kids uh, in the areas of sexuality and what they're exposed to? Some, David, what you alluded to is great. I'd love for us to talk about is how did you help kids understand who can touch you and see you naked and, you know, things like that. So just toss that out to, to anybody. Pick on um, Bo. Bo, you go first. Sure. Um, so first I'll say that, um, you know, we live in a very sexualized world when it comes to television, when it comes to just society in general. And so um, I want to make sure that I'm being very wise about um, not only what I expose my kids to, but what I'm exposing myself to. Um, and I think that um, we could send a very confusing message um, when we speak about things that 
uh, we, we don't want our, our children to do. Um, and then we immerse ourselves through things like television in watching things where people are doing that. And so I want to be mindful of what's on our TV. Um, I want to be mindful of the music we're listening to, the friends we have, um, the houses my kids are going to, uh, just to make sure that it isn't just Natalie and I that are uh, speaking to our kids, but also all of those around us. And so that's really important for us. And Natalie and I are both very mindful, uh, first and foremost, about what we're watching on TV. Um, and then whenever we see topics, sometimes topics come up. Um, once a topic comes up and you know your child's heard it, um, and you say, oh, I'm going to go turn off the TV or I'm going to pull myself out of this situation, uh, you can't stop right there. Once they've been exposed to something, you need to have the conversation with them about it. And sometimes you can start by just asking, hey, what, what did you just see? And it might be that they observed something that really wasn't what was going on. And if you don't think it's an age-appropriate topic, then maybe you could hold off on that. But if they really got exposed to something, um, then you need to address it with them. Um, because if they're asking you about it, they're probably asking their friends about it or somebody else. And I want to make sure we're controlling that conversation. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think as, you know, you're, as our children get older, um, and we need to be thoughtful. So to Bo's point, like, you know, we don't have HBO or Cinemax. We don't subscribe to those channels um, just because stuff comes on there in the evening that's not helpful for me or them. Um, you know, practically we, we put covenant eyes on, on the devices in our home that can, we can report on it. Uh, you know, we, our kids that have cell phones, you know, which is, um, you know, if, if we're honest, having a cell phone is having a porn store in your pocket. Uh, something I didn't have to face as a teenage guy. Uh, and so we regularly monitor our kids' cell phones. We'll look at it. It's not their device. So we'll look at their text messages. We will look at their photos. Um, we'll ask questions. Uh, and so we don't, uh, there's no sense of this is my phone or this is my laptop, you know, uh, that you don't get to see. And so those are some practical things we do, but you, you have to be diligent. You have to be really diligent uh, because technology is moving so quick. You know, I'm talking about kids, your older kids where they're Snapchat and all that other stuff. You've got to be just diligent. You there's no time to let off the gas on that, on that thing. It's, um, I'll just add here, you know, it's, you have to be diligent when they're babies. Mm -hmm. When your friends want um, just simply to put your kids in the bathtub um, and play in the bathtub to go, you know, th they think it's cute to let your child run around nude in the park at the pool. Um, trying to think what else, um, you know, cousins sleepovers. I mean, it's just, it's relentless. And yeah. so you really have to be on top of every little area. And it's like, you know, don't grow weary parents because um, the battle is for your children and you're protecting them. I mean, I can remember our kids say, mom and dad, you're so strict. And as adults, they've come back and they've said, thank you for being so strict because we understand. Um, and I mean, I don't know that strict was really the right word, but that's what they used. Um, but we put bound, we helped them see what boundaries we were putting in place because it was a protection for them because we loved them. And, you know, we, we were willing to be the bad guy, um, you know, for the sake of our kids. Yeah. So, I mean, the word, the word strict is you just mean, we, we had convictions about protections. Like, so even when they were little, believe it or not, one of the things we did is we were watching a show with them, 
uh, and we weren't in the room when a commercial came on. It was a show we kind of approved. Uh, we just say, hey, turn the TV off when commercials come on or put it on mute. And they would go, why? And they go, because they're lying to you. Well, what do you mean they're lying to us? It's because those people are trying to tell you that you can't be happy unless you have what they tell you you need. And you know better than that. And until you're wise enough to discern that on your own, mm-hmm. right, I don't want to leave you alone with those people that are trying to deceive you, okay? And, um, and so I just let them know that we, from an early age, there's an enemy out there. Not everybody thinks like us. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we did when our kids say, well, other families don't do this, we just looked at them, we just said, well, other families, um, other kids don't have the benefit that you do of parents that take seriously the encouragement from God, you know, to carefully protect and guide and shepherd your hearts. And I go, and you can thank God for that. And you can blame us, by the way. But parents, one of the things I gotta tell you, you gotta get over the fact that your kids are gonna say, uh, you guys are like aliens. You're strange, no one does that. Well, that's frankly a compliment. Mm-hmm. Because the Bible says, right, that we should be aliens and strangers to the way that everybody else does things. And let them call us names and let us try and wear us down because we're not wild about sleepovers or we don't throw kids in the bathtub together. Um, you know, let, let, them, let them say those things about you. And you gotta decide if you'd rather be popular in the moment, okay, or the kind of parent that God says blesses your kids. And so you talk about it. One of the things we did as our kids got older is we said, hey, if you think you're too strict, let's widen the circle. Your mom and I are also under authority. We want you to talk about this with our friends and with others that are wiser than us that can help us maybe give you a little more slack or maybe think differently about this. And our kids always knew that we were willing to be shepherded as we tried to love and care and protect them, right? Now, they found out pretty quickly um, <laughs> that, you know, that we were doing community with others who shared our values, and we shared with them from God's word why we were accountable to God yeah. for the way that we were making these decisions. And we asked them to pray for us. We would pray with them. I would pray with my kids, Father, give us wisdom so that we can be a blessing and a source of protection to our kids. We don't want to rob them of joy. We don't want to live in fear. Please let them see that we're not living uh, in fear against what they might see, but that we're living by faith, that we believe you got their best interest in mind. We'd pray with them that way, okay, from when they were little, and we would, we would ask them to trust us, and we would also say that we understand that they can't understand everything that we do, and as I've said, our kids have come back to us and said, thank you. The third line that they've all used is, Dad, we've got more joy and less scars because we were raised in a home that never lied to us, okay, but also didn't just give in to us the first time we tried to act like our world was going to end if we didn't go see that movie. More than a few birthday parties. This is one of the things we did. Like, we were very careful where our kids were, what houses they went to. We wanted them to have friendships with kids whose families weren't a part of Watermark, Um, but we also knew that those families weren't going to say the same values that we did. We also they didn't, they, 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 those families felt fine about TV and DVDs being good babysitters. And so those houses, you know, our kids knew from an early age when they said, can we watch that movie? We trained them. We gave them resources. They go, let's go read what that, what's in that movie together. So whether it's uh, Kids in Mind or Screen It or uh, Plugged In, there's all kinds of resources out there that I'm sure we'll give you. We would have our kids read what's in the movie and go, let's talk about that. Do you think that'd be a good idea to subject yourself to that? So when, they're, when they would call and there'd be a new movie out and they say, our friends are all going, everybody's gonna go, can I go? I'd go, well, did you sit down with your friends and read what's in that movie? And did you guys make a decision together? Yeah, we did and we think it's fine. Okay, great. That's why I'm still your parent. <laughs> We're gonna come get you and you can blame us. Yeah. 
So you don't have to be the, ki- the kid that looks like a dork because you won't go see the movie. You can tell them that your mom and dad um, are, are just unreasonable. We're okay being the jerks, all right? And we'll come get you. We, we were the one that went and picked our kids up at 10 o'clock at night or 11 o'clock at night uh, when there was a birthday party slumber party. Okay, we're happy to talk a little bit more about why we did that. We're the ones that would let them go to a, a Christmas party, I mean, a, a birthday party all day long when they went to the mall then to watch the movie. We met the family at the mall and picked our kids up and took them. Yeah. And it was hard. Mm-hmm. And they looked at us like, they're the Wagners. And frankly, our kids then did not get invited to certain parties because every other parent felt judged that they went ahead and let their kids see the movie and the Wagners didn't. And so the easiest thing to do was to not invite them to the party. And so when we heard about that, we just threw a party for no reason for them and bought them nicer gifts than the birthday kid would have gotten, right? <laughs> and, uh, and I mean, not always, but what I'm saying is we tried to go, we're going to make this the place to be. Yeah. And they're never going to miss out on what the world tells them they have to have yeah. in order to be happy. One Pen- thing can I come back to Penuel real quick yeah. on what you started to talk about it earlier, but I think there is the protection from media and all that. But then yeah, I just listened to a report about a hospital in Kansas City that said, hey, 40% of our sexual abuse patients who come in here were abused by another child. Right. Uh, and then, of course, there's story after story of kids even here that we know families were a grandparent or an uncle or, or whatever. And so how do we protect and prepare our kids in a world where that is, is happening? Yeah, I mean, there's a tension. Like, you don't want to live in fear all the time, but yeah. you also don't want to just go around with your head in the sand thinking that could never happen. Um, and so uh, you, you want to be connected to reality and sober and discerning. And I, I had my Bible open to Deuteronomy 6, which we use a lot when we talk about parenting. But verse 6 and 7 says, you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. And then verse 7 says, repeat these commands, like the revelation of God's word, again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up, um, and, and repeat truth to your kids. And so on that note, like with, with my own children, um, they've just gotten used to it. Like they're not exasperated by it anymore. I mean, every time they go over to a friend's house, trusted friends whose parents we know, uh, but they're outside of our care, they get home and I'm like, hey, do you have a good time? We're talking about it. Well, hey, did you see anything inappropriate on an iPad or on a phone? Or was, was there anything inappropriate talked about? Did anybody take off their clothes at any point? Like I'm asking all of those questions on a regular basis with my children. And now hopefully I'm not grooming them to live in the world where they're just constantly um, walking around in fear that those things are going to happen. And I'm not telling them that they're going to happen to them, but I am casually and gently and lovingly just checking to see if there's any, you know, reaction in them um, so that I can uh, shepherd them and protect them, you know, through the way they think about those things or the way they process those things. So I do think as parents, it's important to have an awareness of, man, these things happen in our community, in our neighborhoods, in our church, um, when, when people are, and it's, some, it's always somebody they know, like a family member or a friend or a friend's older brother. I'm especially vigilant when they're at a a friend's house that has older siblings, uh, just to go, okay, I know those parents, I know that family, um, but I just want to make sure. Uh, And so I I do think protecting our kids in that way, and then I want to shift gears in something we've been talking about. Uh, Another scripture I thought of from Matthew 18 uh, talks about Jesus is welcoming little children, and he says, whoever welcomes a child on my behalf is welcoming me, and then he gives a warning right after that and says in verse 6 of Matthew 18, 
But if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. And I, I want to say this as gently and lovingly as I can to you parents, as somebody that works with your kids. Um, I really believe this to be true, that if you give your kids a phone with, that's unmonitored and unrestricted, you are causing them to sin. And, and this verse would apply to you. Uh, it is a porn machine. It's a porn production machine. Um, and the best kids from the best families um, in a moment are sending and receiving pictures. Um, and their group texts are running wild, and in their, their late night moment of temptation and curiosity, if they have unrestricted access right there on their bedside table, um, that's on you. You bought that for them, and you're financing that, and you're allowing them to have that, um, and, and you're responsible for not causing them to stumble in that way. You would never buy, uh, I, I hope you wouldn't, uh, you know, like a Playboy magazine and, and put it on their bedside table. But that is what unrestricted access, it's way worse than that. Um, unrestricted, unmonitored access But David, to everybody, everybody else has an iPhone. Right? Yeah. And, and so, you know. So let's go back to First Peter. You're aliens and strangers you if go. you're a follower of Christ. And if you're not my child, I am. And you're in my home. And, and I'm paying for this phone. Until you want to get a job and pay for the phone, this is how it works. Yeah, that's right. You got kids need parents. God gives kids parents for a reason. And so, um, you know, there's another word for strict. You know, I mean, kids use the word strict like it's uh, like it's some besmirched word towards you. And what you want to just say is, kids actually love boundaries. They've done studies where. Um, there's kids on a playground where they're playing kickball around a busy street. And when there is no fences up, those kids will huddle in the middle and not kick the ball hard. But they put fences up and those kids run hard, they run free, they use the entire playground. And so you wanna let them know that what your job is is to give them freedom that doesn't put them at risk. And so if you wanna call that strict, I'm okay. Because I understand that's the words that are accessible to you in that moment. Bo, you were going to say something a second ago to Bo's, to Wes's question. Yeah, the, the one thing I know, like to, to Todd's point, um, you know, we don't want to let our children, just like we don't want to let ourselves see uh, things that are inappropriate for us, right? The scripture says, I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. Now, we also need to teach our kids how to be wise and discerning. Mm -hmm. And so uh, there are times, and I know all of us have done this, you allow your, your child to watch a show that, um, may not have things that are sexually inappropriate or inappropriate language, but will have a worldview that's not completely aligned with us. Mm -hmm. And with that, you want to teach them to be proactive observers of, of media and point out truths and lies in what they're seeing, because at some point, they're not going to be with us all the time, mm -hmm. and they need to be wise and discerning. And so to Todd's point of you know going and looking up media online and finding a show, we'll have our kids do that, and they might come back and say, Hey, you know, this show, it's okay on things like sexuality and nudity, um, but here's a, a worldview that's in the, in the movie, and I'm aware that that's not a good worldview. Well, if they're aware of that, I could be comfortable with them going to see that show or maybe me going with them and watching it and having that conversation. Yeah, that's right. So I think just to, to, yeah. to 
wrap that up. One of the games we played when they got older is we would let them watch a show with us like that, and we would say, we're going to play a game called Spot the Lie. And so when it's over, we're going to just say, hey, what was true? What was a good example to follow? Where were the things that were deceptive? What was the lie that girl believed when it ruined her after that particular event happened? And we would talk about it. We would process it. I don't know if you guys remember... um, the Ashley Holloway situation. Remember that whole story? Natalie, Natalie. sorry. Yeah, thank you. Natalie Natalie Holloway story. Man, I had my kids sit in front of the TV. If you don't know the Natalie Holloway story, it was a girl who went to a Bible study. It was always good. If she didn't go to the Bible study, she called her leader. And one time on spring break, the last night after being a good girl the whole time, went out one night and something happened to her. And so we watched that story. We talked about it. Do you think that's true? you think Natalie had people fooled? What if the story was true? How would you have handled that? What do you think about that? And so we didn't shelter our kids from the real world. Right, but at age-appropriate levels, we introduced them to new things. We weren't, we, you know, we might have given a little bit more ground on violence, or given a little bit more ground on um, dropping in certain kinds of language that wasn't what we would use freely in our home, uh, because we're helping them process that with us. Mm-hmm. And so you're right, that game Spot the Lie served us well many, many times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Levinth, I'd love for you just to talk about. We, we've mentioned it a lot, just the, the idea of pornography and access that our kids have to it. So, I'd love for us just to spend some time talking about how you guys have addressed uh, pro- proactively the topic of pornography and masturbation and then re- perhaps reactively when a child has either been caught or, sure. uh, you know, has confessed to that. So, Yeah, well, so, you know, when you start talking about masturbation and pornography, you know, you're, uh, at that point your kids are hopefully, uh, they're in their uh, you know, 9, 10, 11 when they're starting to have those conversations. We were very honest uh, and we, we try to be, continue, because we've got kids that are in that age group right now like, hey, the, that uh, explaining what pornography is in age-appropriate ways, uh, that there are people who like to make pictures and films uh, of, of just talking through all that. Um, we explained to them why that was harmful, you know, that your, uh, that your eye, you know, when you take things into your eye, it affects your heart. Uh, and those images linger. They don't go away, um, sometimes ever, you know. And so and why that's hurtful, Colossians 3, you know, uh, think about things that are, uh, set your mind on things above, what, what Paul tells us in Colossians 3. Um, uh, masturbation, you know, we, that, you know, it's like, well, how do you get into that conversation? You just kind of walk into it. It's not the first time that your kids heard the word penis, uh, hopefully. Uh, and so we talk about what that is with, with uh, our kids. And, and then I think to, to Wes's point, you want to be as proactive as you can. And then we want to be especially thoughtful when uh, there's a confession or they've been caught. Um, you know, we, we should view confession with tremendous thankfulness. Your kid comes to you and says, man, I, 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 I saw this either accidentally or I got curious. You know, I, I saw it at a friend's house or I kind of hit a rabbit trail and ended up on this site or I, I just was, I wanted to know. And so we should view confession as a gift because it means that God is doing something in their hearts that, and there's a trust that they're willing to come to you. And so we view confession with thankfulness. I view, we view getting caught as a gift and so when, when we've had instances where we've sort of kind of, our kids have been found out on, on any number of topics, like that, man, praise God that he allowed you to get caught at 11, 12, 15, 16, uh, and not at 36 by your wife or your husband, you know, if it's a pornography issue. And so, I mean, we, we, re, we celebrate God's goodness in allowing you to get caught. And, you know, to Todd's point earlier, um, how you respond in those moments is really important because you're gonna be setting the stage for, is this a safe place for me to come when I drop the ball? Not if, but when I drop the ball on any topics, 
I cheated at the homework, uh, whatever. And so, you know, you want to respond calmly. The world is not over. Your kid is not destined to be necessarily a porn addict for the rest of his or her life. Um, and so you respond calmly. And you let the, I mean, I, I thank our kids. Hey, man, thank you for bringing that to me. I'm sure, I bet that was really scary for you to come tell me that you saw this or that you did this. And man, I, I want you to know I love you. I'm not mad at you. I am on your side. The freedom that you want is the freedom that we want to give you in the right way, in the right time. And so I mean, we, we celebrate getting caught. We celebrate confessions. And it gives you a great chance to exercise both at the same time, grace and truth. Right? We're going to be gracious. We're not going to shame you, as to Todd's point earlier. We're not going to make you feel dumb or like, oh, my gosh, how could you look at pornography? Dad's never struggled with, I mean, you know. Uh, but we're also going to address it and try and move forward with a plan that's going to help them kind of turn the corner. If I could jump in on that for a, a couple of things. Uh, so one is the number of uh, things we get involved with, with uh, people in their 40s and 50s, uh, where their addiction to pornography started at 10 or 12 years old um, and they did not reach out and they became a slave to it. Um, and the destruction we see um, is heartbreaking. And so anytime I get into one, I go home and I'll talk to my older kids um, about what's happening and how I just want them to continue to allow us uh, to help them. And uh, two other things really quickly. One is the blessing of your small group leaders for your kids. I would do everything you can with your junior high and high school kids to have them plugged into their small group um, because their leaders could talk to them about it. And at times, it might be comfortable for your child to speak with their leader, to see other kids in those rooms have open conversations. It's all about encouraging, being honest with other Christ followers about your struggles. And the last thing I'll note um, is whether you have a son or a daughter, your daughters are not exempt uh, from this struggle. And you can do a lot of things to try to protect your kids and still have an issue. We have uh, covenant eyes on every computer and phone in our house. We have uh, restrictions on our router uh, for our computer. And with all that, you know, we found that one of our daughters at age 10 um, was just getting exposed to a lot of pornography on a computer in our house, right? And we were doing all the little things that we could do, but we'll also go in and we'll dig through all the, the HTTPs to see all the websites they've been on and just figured out a pattern and dug in on that and then have those conversations. So don't just think this is an issue for your sons. Yeah. Coop, come on up here, because I think this is a great time for you to talk a little bit. Um, as he comes up, one of the things we asked our kids about th this question and specifically asked them, um, you know, what we did that worked. And, and one of the things that one of them said was just that, hey, it really helped us. You know, when I would meet people here, I would let them hear people's stories, right? Um, the, the statement, wise men learn more from fools than fool do's, fools do from wise men. Because while wise, wise men will learn from the mistakes of fools, fools will never learn from the wisdom of the wise, okay? And so I would let my kids, I would expose them to people who had um, tested the, um, the, the commandments of God and paid the penalty for that so that they would be encouraged to test the promises of God and experience the blessing of that. And so I would just sometimes go, hey, John, tell, tell them your story. Uh, this is a trophy of grace. And they would look him in the eye and just say, listen, I bought the lie. That, that enemy that's out there that I know your dad's told you about, he is real. This is what he did to me. And so one of the ways, okay, I told my kids I was exposed 
to pornography when I was eight and extensively through my junior high years. And I can remember the first time I saw it, like somebody took a, a horse syringe full of adrenaline, just shot it into my body. I was like, holy cow. And I remember talking to my sons about that. I said, this stuff is, it's poison. It's, it's more addictive. I mean, scientists will tell you than any drug that's out there. And you don't want to have to overcome that. And so guard your heart, guard your eyes. Now, that being said, right, my son, when he was, what, seventh grade, Coop? You're at school, sitting there working on an assignment at school. What happened? Yeah, so, I, I mean, I think just to preface this is no matter how many guardrails, I was thinking when David said, if you have an iPhone sitting on the bedside table, you are enabling pornography. Even if you put every restriction in place, even if you do everything you can, you might still have a kid that finds a way. And there are endless ways. You can't can't stop it. And so that's why this conversation is so important um, because the culture is so sexualized and there's just so many outlets that, that you can find. So I'm at school, protected internet servers at school, teachers, full classroom. Uh, half of my class was working on like, it was a computer graphics class, and uh, half of us were just like a game day. And so uh, I'm sitting next to one of my best friends, his dad's on staff here, and we're playing a game called Bubble Trouble. And <laughs> uh, so we beat the first one, and we start to look for Bubble Trouble 2, and I'm just scrolling through every web page's blocks because it was a game servers, but we like knew how to hack them. And, uh, and so we finally got to one that the hack worked. And, and up to this point, I'd never seen pornography. Uh, I'd heard the word actually through another school situation where I emailed one of my teachers and told her that she was a porn star. Um, <laughs> and so I didn't know what it meant. I just heard that <laughs> my classmates were saying it, and I could tell it was bad, and I felt like she needed to know. Um, <laughs> And so that was fun. So I guess that was my first exposure to the word. But, uh, and then, um, so seventh grade, though, was the first time I'd seen it. I didn't, I didn't know what it was necessarily. Uh, so I'm literally playing this game, and there's pornography all around the outside of this square. And then finally, another classmate was like, what the heck are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. And I just exited out. Um, and I could tell that, wow, that wasn't good. Whatever that was, you know, kind of that same feeling of adrenaline, and then whatever that was wasn't good, and then I went and told my best friend, go to type Bubble Trouble 2 and go to the last link on the second page of Google and click on it and hack it, and he saw it. And so that started conversations. Uh, I came home and confessed, uh, and that was one of the only times I actually confessed, and so... We were in the car, and I started crying. And I'd, already, I'd punched a kid in the locker room for making fun of me for it already. Um, but it was just, a, I didn't know what it was. I was confused, but I immediately told my parents because of the groundwork they laid, and they were, there was an open communication. But what that did for me is it sparked an interest. And I, like, wait, what was that? And over time, I just gradually, like, worked my way into a pornography addiction. And um, <clears throat> ninth grade... I think I had an iPhone, uh, locked down all restrictions at that time. And I guess it, it probably wasn't even as accessible then as it is now, but I just found ways um, just around the things that they had set in place. I didn't confess. I got caught. Conversations with David, conversations with 
community happened and they hurt and I hated them and they they felt shameful and it was because I wasn't repentant and it gave then there was a probably a year of having a flip phone again and like I tried to manipulate a lot of situations to where it was like hey I obviously I don't need this flip phone I you know I would leave it at home and and try to work my way to get an iPhone back. And so one of my other things I was just thinking of is don't, just don't be manipulated by your kids when you punish them. Uh, and they, they I, we're just crafty and we're gonna try to convince you guys that we need the iPhone back. It's like, well, you can't reach me because I have a flip phone. And so if you would just give me a, an iPhone again, you could track me and you could see where I am. And I probably said all those things to try to get an iPhone back. And Eventually got one back and then fell right back into it. And we um, told you it wasn't hard to track you when you weren't going to be able to just leave the kitchen. No. Right? Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, no and but, I also but, just yeah. found out how you knew every website that I went to because of that. You can do the... Yeah, and and my, we pick the phone up, we check it. He, we, he never the had a device. Deleted, but yeah, right. But we, we never had a device that we didn't feel like we had, we had complete access to. But again, he slowly would get it back after weeks and months and then he'd take it. But I think one of the things we also did, Coop, is... We had family conversations, right? It wasn't like we just got you in a corner. We didn't ever shame you, but we said, hey, we're all gonna learn through this. And I think some of your siblings said, I realized for the first time somebody raised in the same home as me, who has the same values as me, mm-hmm. can, can be grabbed by this as well. And so we weren't ashamed of your struggle, okay? But we also, um, and, and we, we just would have the conversations as a family. We'd pray for you as a family. Mm-hmm. We would warn you and, and your siblings watched you cry and be brokenhearted and they'd watch you um, address these things. And I think that was a helpful way. Mm-hmm. It wasn't any longer just this person that was a friend that we met. It was now in our home. And it was just a battle we took on collectively yeah. and didn't just say, you can't tell anybody this. But um, anything else you want to add on this? And what, uh, I mean, yeah, I think I just, um, I, I would just emphasize like it is it is a battle for every family. Like it's not gonna be, yeah. it's not unique to your kid. Don't treat them like a freak if you find it out. I think mm-hmm. that is the, on the backside. Uh, Cause I never, that, the only time I ever confessed was seventh grade. And then there was two, two or three more times where I'd gotten caught. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that wasn't because there wasn't a safe place. That wasn't because there weren't conversations had where it was like, hey, we love you. We want you to tell us. They'd showed me grace the first two times. I knew there was an outlet. Um, but I just chose to continue to go and seek my own desire. And so, the, again, it's even if you are the best parent in the world, your kids still may choose to go the other way. We had another child that was exposed in third grade by a friend who did have an iPhone, right, at school. Like, look at this. Uh, they were told to go to an innocuous website at school that it, it wasn't like drseuss.com, but it was that innocuous yeah. and safe that anybody would go to and feel safe by. And they just typed it in, and next thing you know, there is some of the most you know, horrific pornography you can imagine. So I'm just telling you, yeah. if you think you're going to protect your kid from this, where they'll never, ever be exposed to it, that's just naive. And yeah. you, why you have to have the conversation earlier than you think. Yeah. And I think what Coop said is when, when they're exposed to it, and David said this, you don't hit them with guilt and shame. You keep running them to the Savior where, um, you know, where, where love and peace and, and prosperity is. And you mourn with them over what now has been introduced into their life, but you remind them of the fact that Jesus makes beauty from our ashes. Mm-hmm. 
and you run forward and you reinforce your love for them. You tell them your goal is not to have be successful as a parent where your kid never sees that, or the goal, again, purity is not an achievement, okay? It is a, uh, a trickle-down uh, benefit of a relationship that you have with the Lord. So when Cooper lost his purity, he didn't lose his opportunity to be God's man in every which way. Yeah. And we kept reminding him of that and painting a picture for that. Thank you, yeah. brother. Thanks, Cooper. Thanks. And yeah. We learn a lot. Thank you, Cooper. And we learn a lot in this room about sharing the gospel. And a lot of times I think we can get stuck on the, the thing that we should be doing and have an incredible opportunity to do, which is the, the stalker in the, the aisle at Walmart or the waiter or waitress that we have or the neighbor that we get to share the gospel with. Uh, but first and foremost, we get to share the gospel with our kids. Mm -hmm. And when they fail uh, in this area or others, uh, there's no greater opportunity. And as parents, we should be prepared for that. I'm going to equip you. This is so easy. Psalm 32. Just open up your Bible and read Psalm 32. Have them read it out loud. I know a family that committed to reading it out loud as a family together um, every day for a month just to soak in that truth and remind each other of that truth and, and the love and the grace and the forgiveness and the redemption that was available to God's servant David when he uh, fell into lust. Um, and that, that same redemption and purification and restoration is available to us. And so be ready, be ready to meet your kids with grace and truth and, and walk with them through it. And don't let them see that, that shock and that disappointment and that horror and that disgust on your face, you need to look in the mirror and see that for yourself every single day and understand what it's like to be covered by the grace of God and the blood of Jesus for yourself every day so that you're ready in a moment's notice when you realize, oh my gosh, my kid, then you can respond to them yeah. with all the love and the truth and the grace of God. So be ready, parents, to do that. If yeah. it can happen to Todd Wagner's kid, it can happen to your kid. It doesn't mean that it will, but it certainly can. That's good. I'll interject one thing here, just uh, going back to and uh, taking what David just said, but going back to that biblical worldview, sometimes just helping our kids make sense of why did you want to go to that? What was it? That is a God-given desire, right? That, that the enemy is now twisting to hurt you. It's, it's the only thing he's ever been able to do is take what God made good, twist it ever so slightly, and lead you astray. And so this is a good thing that you have this desire. And someday, and that it led us into conversations, right, to help our kids understand and to remove some of the shame from it while still pointing out, hey, this is not good. This is not God's best. And we want to move you to what is best. And then to interject the grace of God and the gospel in the midst of that, which leads us to this next question that, that we got from some folks, which is really just, um, you know, about our own sexual past as parents and sometimes feeling like, man, how can I call my kids to purity when I know how I behaved? How can I, you know, tell my, my uh, teenagers or college students, you know, don't have sex before you're married. And I lived with their dad, you know, before we got married and things like that. So at, what is appropriate to share with your kids about your sexual past and when? And, uh, and then just how do, you, how do you navigate that? And how, what would you tell a parent who just goes, man, I'm having a hard time saying this when I know how I failed in this area. I'll give a 15-second answer and you guys go. I would just say don't, you know, first of all, uh, hypocrites are not people who sin. Hypocrites are people who sin and say, well, when I do it, it's not a sin. 
So if you tell somebody that they shouldn't do something that you have done, that doesn't make you a hypocrite. That sometimes makes you a person that is clothing themselves in humility and imploring others to not experience the pain that you experienced. And so you don't need to go into graphic detail, but you need to look at your kids and just say exactly what I said earlier. Listen, I tested the commandments of God and I found out that it is in vain that you try and find life apart from him. And I have, for the last 20 years, or whatever it's been, five years, tested the promises of God, and I found out that they are true. So you are not a hypocrite when you ask other people to not do things that you yourself struggle with. You're a hypocrite when you say, when I do it, it's not a problem. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, if you think about, let's take it off the topic of pornography or sex and uh, you know, it would be like it would be unloving if I had experienced something that caused pain in my life and pain to others, uh, and I knew that you might be walking on a similar path. Like it would be really unloving for me not to say, "Hey, bro, I don't think this is going to work out," and because this happened to me. And so I think I was looking at Proverbs seven today. You know, just and you alluded to it uh, earlier, Wes. Just and I just jotted down. You know, Solomon says, "Keep my words, treasure my commandments, bind them on your fingers, write them as a tablet on your on the tablet of your heart." He's talking to his son, he's, all these things. And he says, because, at the end of the seven, many a victim has she laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. Like, I want my kids to know that there is death on that path. And, uh, and dad has tasted that, and there are scars. And while, you know, you may be five, a scar may be cool, you know, to a five-year-old boy. You may think, that's an awesome scar. That looks like, you know, look like Frankenstein. It is not cool, you know, to a 22-year-old newlywed you know, who's bringing that baggage and that hurt and those images um, and those insecurities uh, and that shame and that guilt into the marriage or into a dating relationship. Or if you're single, if you're just carrying that with you, that's not loving. And so I think the question was, you know, how do we define appropriateness? And I think Todd's point is, is, is what we're asking is how much detail, right? How much do you give them? And I think that's, that's a kid-by-kid, age-appropriate level question or answer. And so, but I, I, we should feel the freedom to highlight God's grace in our life. God took my mess that I made, this broken, these hurtful decisions that I made, and he made it new, right? Paul says in Corinthians, um, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new is come. And Paul's talking in, th- in that context. He's not talking about a relationship with God in that context. He's talking about our relationship with one another in that context. So if I see Peniel or the Fournettes and the Wagners and I see what, got what they were and what they've done, I don't, I don't view them from what they were. I view them for who they are today as a new creature. And it's my responsibility as a dad, as a friend to say, man, that, let me just warn you, I've been down there and here's the scars to show from it. And ask your mother how that worked out for us early on in marriage and so on and so forth. That's really good. There are a few things that I've seen strengthen young men as much. <laughs> as in their shame and devastation of over getting caught in their sin, having other young men or other men, uh, their dads, men in their dad's community group, their small group leaders sitting in that room, strengthen them with their confessions of saying, hey, you're not alone. When, when I was younger or a few years ago, here's where I found myself and here's where I found the grace of God. Um, to see their heads lift up and realize there's hope um, and there's a community to walk with them through this, that's a really good thing. Um, and so done properly with appropriate sorrow and grief towards sin, um, but also with, with 
evidence of transformation and new life, as he just described, um, it's a really powerful thing uh, to be able to share with authenticity and to walk in the light, as First John 1 says, um, to share your story with your kids. Yeah, good. Yeah, that, that heart of compassion for our kids of, uh, I think so often in our flesh, our response is, I can't believe you, d- you would do that. You know, I mean, that, that's where we naturally want to go. And if we're honest with ourselves, we're like, I can absolutely believe that's where you went because I did the same thing. And our kids so often just need us to go, hey, buddy, me too. I, I, I've struggled in this way too. Hey, sweetheart, I, I know why you have that desire because daddy or mommy's had those, those desires too. And so I think we can lead out of our brokenness. Um, anything else before we move on from that one? Well, I think, you know, Coop actually was kind of just a, you know, whisper and text a little bit to me, just say, hey, make sure you talk about, not only were you great at extending me grace, you were great at letting me experience consequences. And I, I really do think that one of the biggest parenting fails that most parents make is they don't let their kids live with appropriate and sometimes what feels like severe consequences to their choices. And, and he just said, one of the ways you really love me is you didn't rescue me, mm-hmm. right, from my sin. You put provision and protected me from opportunity to go back there, but you let me experience loss mm-hmm. and grieve. And one of the things that I would have him do is I would have him sit down. Why don't you journal how you're feeling? Because believe it or not, you're going to forget this. The self-loathing, the hatred, the, 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 the sadness, the despair, the anxiety. Write down what you're living in as you're enslaved, in a sense, to this. Because believe it or not, there's going to be a day when you're going to forget it was this bad you're going to want to go back. Mm-hmm. And you need to have this. Don't waste this pain. And, and so there were times when we also then withheld some blessings from him because we felt like that was an appropriate consequence. And he just said, that was one of the most loving things you could have done yeah. is to not be afraid to let me lose privilege when I wasn't living a life that was entitled to it. Yeah. Uh, I want to shift gears and just talk about something that our kids are being exposed to, you know, in, in the culture that we're living in now. Uh, you know, I think back when my son, Josiah, who's now a freshman in high school, we took him to his first day of kindergarten and we walked in and this is now 10 10 years ago, yeah, something like that, 10 years ago, and the boy sitting at his table had two mommies. And that was 10 years ago in, you know, good old suburb, uh, the suburbs of Dallas, and, and now all the more our kids are, are being really bombarded with a culture that is embracing that, uh, whether they're in the public school system or not, that you, you cannot, uh, you know, get away from your kids being exposed to that. So how have you guys helped your children navigate and understand homosexuality, what it is, how have you helped them to maybe uh, navigate relationships with a neighbor who, uh, you know, there's two mommies or two daddies or a classmate where that's the case, or their own classmates, you know, who are now saying, hey, I'm, I'm gay or I'm lesbian. And, and uh, so I'd love for us to spend some time talking about that. So I'll, I'll jump in with, with one thing. I'll start by saying that we also have um, neighbors that are a man and a woman that are living together and not married, yeah. right? And so... Um, and then we step outside of sexuality, and there are just people that have very different lifestyles than us on a, a whole host of things. And so um, I would want to address that the same way I address any of those other topics, which is I want my kids to understand the difference um, between where God says life is and where the world says life is, so they're equipped on that. I don't think I want to make it a bigger deal than the whole host of other things. Um, now, I need to be more vocal on things, where society has chosen to be more vocal with a view that's different than mine. And so um, on issues around homosexuality, 
Um, the world is much more vocal today uh, on that topic um, to the point of saying that if you um, say there's anything negative about that, that you're using hate speech and things like that. So I need to be um, very vocal and, and clear on that. And I also need to make sure that um, our children are wise in whether or not to then go to that person's kid and have a conversation that they're not equipped to have. And so that's, I think, like a number of other topics can be very complicated, particularly when you have a kid that's um, really excited when they think they know something that other people don't know and they want to share that. Um, but that's the cause. I didn't create that problem, right? Uh, I didn't make that choice. Um, and then I have to speak up on it once it comes up. Yeah, yeah. So what would you guys say to your kids? So uh, that, that neighbor that, whether they're living together or it's a, uh, you know, a gay or lesbian couple, and, and you know that your kids are going to be interacting with them. How would you coach your kids to be able to interact with them in a God-honoring, loving way while still helping them understand, hey, this is not God's best and here's why? All right, well, I, I, I would always let my kids know one of the things that we did, we prayed for folks that didn't have a relationship with God or were living in a way that was contrary to their testimony that they said they had a relationship with God. Um, but I, I want to just double-click on what Bo said. You cannot make the mistake that I believe that the larger church has made yeah. for years, which is to make a bigger deal about some sins than others. Yeah. Now, look, not all sins um, have the same consequence, right? I mean, if I uh, take a knife and you know cut my arm off, which is stupid self-mutilation, that's a whole lot worse than you know uh, slapping myself in the face, yeah. right? So I, I, I would just say that there are certain things that have greater consequences in our life, but make sure that you don't, um, highlight certain sins that are easily more offensive to you for whatever reason. Um, a couple of resources that are out there. We, we, we have, a, you know, real truth real quick. We just yes. need to remind you guys that we've we spent some minutes on this. How do I talk to my children about LGBTQ issues? So that's up there, okay? And we, we talk about some of those things that are there. How do I respond to a friend who believes they're transgender? That would also work to, you know, help you with how do I talk to my kid who thinks they might be or a kid who has a friend who is, and you can watch these with them and have conversations with them. That real truth real quick, you know, is masturbation a sin? How can I overcome a pornography addiction? All those are there and those links will go out, yeah. right? Here's what I tell my kids. I go, listen, never be surprised when a sinner sins, they're just fulfilling their job description. And we live in a world that by and large has rejected the beauty of God's way. And our job is not to impose our values on other people, our job is to propose a better way. Now, if you wanna talk about, and we should, the problems with the choices that they're making Okay, that specifically are there and what it means, what, what a biblical definition of love is, what a biblical definition of tolerance is, let's have those conversations. But we're not gonna be surprised when sinners sin or when a society that doesn't honor God does things that are dishonoring to God. We're not gonna shrink back. We're not going to agree. We're not gonna try and be popular, right? God has given us a responsibility. Our job is to love, right? And, um, and love speaks the truth. Okay? And so we would just talk about it with them. We'd be unashamed. And whenever they would just, maybe even sometimes in their youth, say, well, that's just so amazing. How could they possibly do that? Go, Let me just stop before we answer that question. What do you think are some things that Jesus would say about your life? How can this kid who knows all the goodness that he knows and all that's going on in our life, what are the things in our life, in our family, that we, first of all, know that we need to keep working on? We talk about that. And they go, aren't we glad we've got a God who's compassionate and gracious and keeps pulling us back to his way? Now let's talk about what we can say to our friends who have a similar, okay, struggle to see the beauty and goodness of God who doesn't even know the goodness and the beauty that we know. Let's pray for them.
okay? And let's make sure that we have something to propose to them that's more beautiful and better. Well, Dad, well, then how come everybody thinks it's okay? Great, another question. Let's take a look at that. So that's how we did it. We kept the conversation going. The other thing we did is role play. We role played at dinner all the time, right? So we would role play uh, what you do when a guy asks you out. We'd role play um, what we do when you're being bullied. We'd role play what you do if somebody was telling you that it's okay that somebody is, is showing signs of gender dysphoria. And we would just let them get stuck. And then we'd roll it back and I would be in the play and they would go, man, it was so good, so helpful. Okay, and you're like, well, what if I don't know what to do? That's one of the greatest things to show your kids is that you are a learner. Watch those real truths real quick together. Take advantage of the resources Wes and the student teams that give you. Take no shame. Go to your entire community group. If your entire community group doesn't know what to do, reach out to your community group shepherd and your staff person and others. And if the only way to get you to, to maybe know how to do this is to have Alex Widener have dinner with you, I'm not kidding, you'll have dinner with Alex, okay? But we won't start there because there's so many other equipped people in the church. But we're committed to one another. So when you're stuck, raise your hand. Model for your kids what it means to clothe yourself in humility yeah. and, and to be somebody who seeks how to do that. So some of those resources there, we should probably save some time, but is there sure. a specific thing that one of us you think you should say or talk well, about? I was gonna ask uh, Alex or Natalie, you know, uh, so speak to the mom uh, so we, we've talked to our kids, our little kids. We've let them know, hey, this is where babies come from. We've given them, you know, at least kind of on their uh, age level an appropriate understanding. And now they see two mommies walking around with a kiddo, and now they're confused. How do you help that, that child who is now interacting in a way that goes, well, mommy, you told me that this had to be between a mommy and a daddy, and now they have a family. Because now we do have this redefinition of family in our culture, and it's all around us, and our kids are being exposed to it. How would you help that mom if they're sitting at your at dinner with you and asking you that question? Well, we definitely have had to answer that question a couple times with our kids. And we have said that when that situation um, on our street, that a same-sex couple that has children, those children were still made by a mommy and a daddy. I mean, that's just still the way it has to always happen. And um, in their own choices, they are raising their children in, those, in that situation. We don't believe that's God's design for um, a family, but we go back to the biology and just the frankness of that. Um, but there have been times where dealing with this issue of um, gender type issues with our kids, so it has been overwhelming just how to help them navigate it, and especially with our high schoolers. And we have gone to their small group leaders. We've had them go to their small group leaders and their small group. And so I think Todd said, widen it to your community. And I would just encourage you to have your children start to practice widening it to their community. Yep. And it's a hard topic to talk about, um, especially for one of our kids. It's just, it's uncomfortable when um, you're having such maybe um, repeated interactions with someone with some gender confusion. And it was just a hard, it's been a hard topic for one of our kids to tackle of just how to, we don't want our kids to live in a bubble. You know, as much as we talk tonight about protecting our kids, we still want them to be out there loving and serving their classmates and people that are lost. And so we were kind of at a loss ourselves of just, okay, how do we help her love and serve people that God's put in her life, but also help her to have boundaries um, with some of those people that um, were challenging um, in relationships and stuff. So we really um, encouraged her and actually forced her 
to um, engage with her small group leaders in her small group to get their advice and their input. And we engaged with our community group on some of those tough topics. We didn't do it alone because some of these topics are bigger than, than what we even have thought about ourselves. And as much as we've had hundreds of conversations over the years to prepare our kids and to make it comfortable to have those conversations, some of these things are just so new that I haven't even put much thought into, much less a conversation. So we've needed to, to reach for help with others. Kirby, it's a good chance for you to come up here, all right? I want you to share a story because one of the things that Kirby said to me, Dad, one of the things you did a great job is you raised us to be pastors, not political activists, not kids who run away from kids with scary, sketchy sins. You taught us to move in and love people. And she's a story that happened um, while she had a situation with a, a friend here who was attending Watermark, right? Went to D-Town with you, was invited. Uh, not, you know, when you were in high school, tell them that story. So we were in sixth or seventh grade, actually, but our small group had kind of reached out to this girl who very clearly was different than us. She was kind of goth, and you could tell was into some bad stuff, but one night our uh, leaders were asleep early, and so all of us were upstairs and started telling stories about this older boyfriend that she had, and I just remember looking around, and girls were wide-eyed, and um, certainly she was talking about things that a lot of us didn't know about, but uh, the moral of this story, David came to our small group the next week and kind of cleaned up a few things, but handed me a note card. Two years later, this folded up little piece of paper that said, hey, you saved my life. Like, she was suicidal at different points throughout uh, middle school, and just the way that we loved her and didn't shy away and didn't freak out just because she had had all these experiences. Um, I mean, for me, I was like, man, that moment on the third floor was so worth it, even though we were obviously like, whoa, this girl has been through way more than we would ever dream a sixth or seventh grader has been through. But um, So you didn't shun her when she shared that, and you also weren't seduced right. by, by her exciting experiences. Right. You, you were steadfast. And, yeah, and, and loved her. And, and loved we're like, her. hey, this is obviously a girl with hurt and experiences that, I mean, God doesn't want her to have, and... Certainly she wasn't being protected from, but um, just that reminder that your kid, if they're not being raised and equipped to at least comfortably have these things talked about in front of them, then uh, is going to be the one telling them about certain sexual encounters. And so for me, I had been having conversations with my parents for a long time, and so I'm sitting there like, hey, I'm not afraid, and I'm sitting here with the opportunity to meet you with love and grace and not fear and like, whoa, you're scary and I can't talk to you anymore, so. So we didn't raise church kids, we raised Christians. We wouldn't raise kids that were unaware of what was happening in the world, so when they heard about these things, they panicked and ran to the corner. We raised kids that were pastors mm -hmm. and who were ready to love and step up and, and play the, the role of pastor and prophet and, and friend. Yeah. And then uh, just something else my parents were super big on that kind of translates in the same way. My parents were always like, hey, find that kid in the hallway that walks with their head down, that dresses differently, that doesn't sit with anyone, that looks like they have, you know, evil intentions for everyone they come in contact with. Because you just never know what's going on in that kid's life. And you never know how far your high is going to go or your smile or your eye contact or your, hey, you know, what are you doing this weekend? Want to come to church with me or whatever. And just leaning into those awkward situations or to that girl that dresses like a boy or to that kid that, you know, you can't tell, are they, are they bi, are they straight, are they with her, are they with him? And, and that's the kid you need to love. And so when I read that question, the first thing I thought is like, what do you do? Well, you tell your kids to love them. 
And um, this year I was a, a volunteer detail leader and Ricky Shalette, this man who's one of the leading experts on just homosexuality, trans transgenderism, LGBTQ, was giving this presentation and he showed a video to a room of, was it sixth graders all the way through high school? Yep. So um, he showed a video of some um, LGBT, LGBTQ identifying people who were talking about their pride and their freedom and their identity. And some boys in the room started booing whenever they were sharing like, this is who I am and I finally discovered me and I'm free. And, uh, and just in that moment, my thought was, man, we don't wanna raise kids who are confident conservatives or like passionate political gays shouldn't be allowed to marry, but kids who are like, man, I see a man and a person in that video who has bought a lie and is experiencing, maybe not immediately, but definitely, definitely um, pain and hurt. And uh, that's, that's someone who needs our love way before he needs our conviction yeah. or our condemnation. So, yeah. so good. I think, uh, it's well, it's I think one of the great things about God's words, if you look at the gospels, you see Jesus doing what Kirby did. But he was accused frequently of being around the wrong crowd and he never lost his moral authority. His uh, purity was never questioned, uh, but he was there loving him because Jesus didn't come to heal. He came to heal the sick, right? And, uh, and so that's what Kirby's doing. What, what I, you know, I've heard from other folks is, you know, we can be with people that don't agree with us. We should be and love them. And I think one of the things we need to do is uh, remind our kids that the world is gonna continue to say that if you don't agree with my choices, you therefore don't or cannot love me. And we need to let our kids know that's not, that's not true. We cannot agree with an individual's choices and still fully love them and see them as a child or as a, uh, a man and a woman created in the image of God uh, without signing off on their behavior. Yeah. So uh, before we move off this topic, I think it would be good for us just to talk about, so what happens if your kid comes and says, hey, I'm, I'm experiencing these same-sex attraction. How do I, as a parent, respond to that? How do I help them make sense of what they're feeling and thinking? And, and so who wants to take that one? You want, I'll, I'll, I'll jump out and say any one of this could. So I go think ahead. it's the, the, you're asking the same question as what does I do if, if my child comes home and says, I've watched pornography, I've masturbated, I'm being continually mean to somebody at school, whatever the topic is, is um, you want to make sure that you don't freak out in the midst of that, right? That they are still your child, you still love them, they're struggling with the sin. And then you want to point them back to God's word, remind them that you love them. You want to thank them for sharing that. Yeah. And then you want to hold them accountable uh, to purity. And if I knew um, that my son was struggling um, with same-sex sex attraction, then I would also want to try to do the things to be able to protect my son from that. Just like right now, I wouldn't allow my son uh, to be in certain circumstances uh, with girls, knowing that he struggles more with hetero attraction, I would be wise on that side as well. I want to protect my child as I try to point them back to God's truth. And I, and I would share with them things in my life that I have longings um, that are inconsistent with God's best for me. Mm -hmm. And that is just evidence that I'm a, I'm a human, mm -hmm. right? And that uh, why I need a savior. And so at first I would tell them I love them. I would tell them that I'm so grateful that they would have 
the courage and the, and the desire to be close to me, that they would trust me with something that's confusing to them, troubling to them, or, or despairing to them. And I would tell them stuff in my life and how I take it to the cross, how I abide with Jesus. Now, he helps me overcome um, the way that seems right to me, but in the end is the way of death. And, um, and, and, so, and I would make sure that they weren't confused by, um, by just what the world is telling them. Often, I, I had a young gal that was um, somebody that was around my sphere of leadership at one point. Uh, it wasn't my daughter, but uh, she was actually a collegiate athlete. And she was told that she definitely had latent homosexual feelings because of the way she loved and served her teammates. Like when they were at practice and they were shooting you know, balls at the goal and, and, and people would kick it over, they had to go get it. And she would go and run and get balls for other girls sometimes. And they thought that she was hitting on them. Okay, now guys weren't pursuing her and these girls that kind of looked around and go, hey, there's, you know, because they told her there's no way you would do something unless you were flirting with us or wanting us. And so she was really struggling with, is that why I'm doing this? And I could just walk her through and say, no, love is our mark as people who know Jesus, right? Don't let them tell you that you want, that everything you do is for the purpose of exploiting another person. But just, I mean, I just encourage them and celebrate it. Uh, their, their desire to bring me into their world. And I'm going to tell you, parents, that's what you want to be. You want to be the one that engages with your kids and shares your fears. Tell them how God meets your needs. Um, ask for prayer from them. When you see, uh, you need to model humility. When you raise your voice, when you weren't thoughtful and disciplined, just say, hey, guys, I want to own that. This is why I need Jesus, right? And so will you pray for me? First of all, would you forgive me? And would you help me? And they're going to learn and see that this is a, a place that we extend grace and receive grace from each other. So one of the most powerful ministries that I had uh, in front of my kids was just acknowledging when I was broken mm-hmm. and, and create an environment where they could deal with their brokenness in front of me. Yeah. And we didn't just pretend like we had our act together. There's nothing Christian about that. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, one of the things I think about in this is just kids are expert observers. They are horrific interpreters. And God has given us, parents, the responsibility to help our kids interpret the world that is around them. And here's the thing is that someone will interpret the world for your kids. Right now, the world is telling a kid, if it's a boy who happens to like, uh, you know, art versus throwing a football then the world is more than happy to tell that kid, well, you know what, you might, maybe, maybe you are a girl. I mean, that, that's what the world is willing to tell a kid right now. And our responsibility as parents is to help our kids make sense of, well, why do I, as a boy, am I drawn to, uh, you know, a painting rather than going out and run, running and roughing and tumbling? Why am I, as a girl, wanting to go and climb a tree and scrape my knee versus go play with dolls? So you're talking about the gender spectrum here. Yeah, gender it's just spectrum. It's just not boy, girl, or male, female. Yeah. There's a broad width of what a male is. And there are men that are sweet yes. and sensitive and artistic. And there's rough and tumble men. Yeah. And just because you're a more artistic guy doesn't mean that you're a girl. Yeah. It means you're really a precious man because only about 15 to 20% of the male population presents that way. Yeah. And so you're even more valuable to, to express the fullness it breaks my heart when I go to Disneyland, Disney World, and I see every guy who's artistic thinks he's got to be a woman, yeah. right? Yeah. And I just go, no, you're some of the most gifted men on earth, yeah. but you're a man. Yeah. And so you got to help them understand a biblical perspective on, on, yeah. on maleness and dignity. Right? And, then, and then the same thing you were just talking about. And then what, 
but I'm attracted. And what is this attraction? Well, again, the world is more than happy to interpret that, That's right. in, that attraction as, well, you're probably just gay. And they need, our kids need us as parents to go, hey, let me help you understand where that attraction is coming from. And so we did a breakout of D-Town this weekend with the Ricky Chalette, which will be on the resource sheet. If you're going to listen to one talk on understanding same-sex attraction and issues, listen to Ricky. He's an amazing communicator, and I think we'll give you real insight into the topic. And we talked about uh, the gender spectrum at Dad U a few months ago, and we'll link to that topic as well because it's so important. Okay, uh, our time is uh, running low, and there's so many good things. Let's talk for a second, if we can, just about the role of community uh, in, uh, in these conversations. So kind of going back to where we started of just, hey, we're having these conversations with kids. How have you guys employed one another and, and community in helping have some of these conversations with the other kids who are not your kids, but the kids of the people in your community group? And how should we, as members of Watermark and people who value this thing called com community, how should we do that? Alex, do you want to take a stab at sure. that first? Sure. Um, well, Cooper alluded to it earlier, and, um, you know, uh, we bring our community into just about everything that um, is going on in our family, and especially if there's something that is um, heightened, at, you know, at the specific week. Uh, and through his experience, um, our community was very involved um, we happen to be in community with the Leventhal's and the Fournettes and, um, and the McFarlands. And many weekly um, community group gatherings are just that, is um, bringing up something that we're all dealing with and, uh, and then speaking into it for one another. Yeah, that's good. And I don't know, I think it's really important that we tell our kids when we're going through a topic with our kids around this topic that we are talking to our community about that, that we want to seek counsel um, we want to make sure that we're being wise. We want them to pray with us. So they're not surprised or ashamed that, that we're sharing that. And then I, I remember with uh, one of our kids having conversations around um, some of the dangers of thinking about jumping into a dating relationship at a young age. And I'd had the conversations and I just said, hey, I'd like for you to go have lunch with one of the dads in the community group. I'd like for you to ask him questions, let him share the experience as well. And it goes back to this whole, oh, you're the only dad that thinks this way. Everybody else is different. And I'm like, no, I, let's, let's try to disprove that and, and widen the circle. And, I'm, and also, I want my, my sons to be able to go and, and reach out or, or our daughters, uh, which just really briefly, I know a lot of times I'm about like me talking with our son about something, but it's a very fluid conversation. There are times where Natalie will talk to our son. I will, we'll do it together, and the same thing with the girls. So we want to make it where we don't, neither one of us have to be there to be able to have those conversations. Yeah, yeah. It also it's just a tremendous blessing when your kid knows, hey, this isn't just our family secret, okay? Yeah. Uh, this, this is where you're at in the sanctification process, and so, you know, we want you to know, I mean, this is your story to tell, but with your permission in this case, you know, it, unless we needed counsel, we want you to either share with them or we'd like to share that with you, and whenever we did, when Bo would tell me something's going on with Caleb or, you know, I would hear about something going on with Daniel, I take, I go out of my way to text Daniel, hey, Daniel, I'm so proud of you, the way you're handling this. So when Daniel sees me, he doesn't have to wonder what Mr. Widener thinks. I walk over to him and I hug him and I just tell him, man, I'm really proud of you. And I wish I'd have been as wise as you at your age. And immediately he's like, man, I don't have to hide in God's family. I get to grow up to be like Christ. What a gift that my kid, in the midst of their sanctification process, would see others who don't 
move away from him but toward him in his pain. Cooper, uh, I think he's gone, but um, he used to say things like, "Oh yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna make me talk to your elder buddies or your community, <laughs> your community buddies," and he just a little bit of a, you know, coming at us a little. And um, so, you know, it wasn't that long ago where we had lots of community time with our son involved, and. Um, you know, it's only a few short years, and he has come back and said, I valued that time. Now, looking back, I'm so grateful for it. And my other kids have said, I'm so uh, thankful that you all have your community group. And, I mean, it's their community group, too, but primarily, um, you know, we're together more frequently with our adult friends than our kids are with us. And um, they find um, that they they have a lot of trust in our community and that they can lean on that. Yeah, I think there's two things. Uh, one that Alex said that was, I thought was spot on and, and implied in this is that we are parenting, like you've got to take a long view on parenting, right? And so, uh, you know, if, if, you're, if we're trying to scratch a child itch in the moment and not acting on what is going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to launch you out of my home in a year or two years, you've got to be prepared so that I'm not, is easily tempted to give in to every women desire that Cooper mentioned earlier, then, then we've got to take a long-term view. The other thing I would say is as parents, we've got to get over our insecurities about coming to our community group and about feeling like, well, good Lord, I'm in community with Bo and Todd and Dean. What, what are they going to think if I bring up that one of my kids is struggling? What they're going to think is, man, we love you. We're for you. We're for your kids. We're praying for your kids. Let us help you. And so, but as parents, I've got to get over that as a dad. Missy's got to get over that as a mom. It's like the, the end game is not that I feel great as a parent. The end game is that I'm faithful to shepherd the kids that God's put in my home with the community that God has given me in this season. And so we've got to get over our insecurities to, to kind of raise our hand and say, I've got, I've got kid issues, yeah. you know? Yeah, and, and, and David, David spoke on that uh, when I was about yeah. to toss it to you, but uh, Leventhal spoke on that at Dad U this Tuesday talking about the value of community and parenting, and that will link to that as well, and you shared a lot of that. There, David, yeah, I was just going to say one other thing that I think is worth mentioning is community is there for kind of the care and correction moments that, that are needed when it comes to parenting. But I've also seen uh, specifically the Wagners uh, take advantage of a few moments of sort of rites of passage with their kids where they invite community to come just speak words of celebration and affirmation to their kids. And it's evident that they know them because of the amount of time that they've spent together. Um, that they have the opportunity to affirm and support and encourage and build up one another's kids. And so I do think that's an important part of community too when it comes to having these conversations is celebrating and, you know, affirming. Yeah, and I'll add to um, one of the things that I think our kids are doing a really good job because they've seen it modeled is that um, they're doing community well with their small groups. And then as they uh, are married they're doing well in their foundation groups and they're, um, you know, they're, they're finding their own community, which mm -hmm. is really encouraging. Yeah. I wanted Peniel, you to talk about that specifically, what Alex just alluded to is what have you seen as the best practices of parents who have taken full advantage of these amazing gifts that you've given to them and small group leaders who are walking with their kids for six and seven years. And, and what, what would you encourage parents to do in, in this particular space on sex and purity and 
So I I'm, I'm kind of mentioned it earlier, some of my favorite moments that I've gotten to be a part of are, it, it kind of works both ways, is uh, a kid in a, in a small group setting confesses something related to sexuality, whether it's acting out with another person or uh, pornography or something like that, um, or privately with a leader, you know, whatever, or they get caught or they confess something to a parent. And, and both, I think the cool intersection of God's people and what we're meant to be is either seeing the small group leader say, hey, the first thing you need to do is you need to go home and talk to your parents. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expect a text from you, you know, by 10 p.m. saying, I did it. And then we'll follow up and we'll find out how it goes. And then seeing that play out where the, the kid feels such a sense of relief, they experience the love of their parents, then they're able to circle back with the small group leader and go, all right, together, how can we support and encourage and sharpen and, and walk with uh, this young man through this? Or, you know, the parent calling up the leader and saying, hey, uh, my son has something he needs to widen the circle because he needs the brotherhood uh, that you know, the body of Christ is meant to be in his life, and he needs you to know so you can walk with him and sharpen him and encourage him. Those have been some of the coolest things, and, and when you see it, you go, that's it. Like, that's how the body of Christ is intended to work. And so, you know, I would just say that the application of that for you as parents is as your kids get older and they get into sixth and seventh grade and they get these small group leaders that are really devoted to discipling your kids, uh, the best thing you can do is have them to your house for dinner. Say, hey, we're hosting small group at seven. Come over at six. We're feeding you, and we want to get to know you. We want to, uh, we want you to be a part of our family's life, so that when these topics come up and this need is there, you have a partner with you in ministry that you have a relationship with, uh, and and vice versa. So if I could jump in on on that, I'm specifically on that topic, a gift you have is the, for those whose kids are in junior high and we're getting ready to go into uh, three weeks of teaching around this topic is I remember when our, our son first went into that in sixth grade, and I just texted his small group leaders, and I said, hey, um, do you need any help on this topic? How were you raised on this topic? And is there anything I could do to help you? Right? And parents, one of the, the kids said, hey, my mom and dad never talked to me about this topic. I'd love to see how you're struggling with this as a dad right now and having that conversation. Um, and, and one of the gifts um, my son had, I was having a conversation, this was probably three years ago, and just asking, hey, how are things going uh, with pornography and masturbation, right? And I just regularly ask that, so it's, it's just not a big deal. And what's really helping you in this area? And he said, hey, one of the best things that helps me in this area is that I know that my small group leaders are going to ask about this every week when we get together. And I don't want to disappoint those guys. Right? And it was just that accountability um, is a gift. And so encourage your kids to be in small group and to be honest with their leaders about all struggles in life. That's good. Todd, can I, can I ask you, uh, I want to kind of shift gears a little bit and ask you a question about something I know you're passionate about is uh, on the topic of just an unintended pregnancy. So in the midst of uh, just the brokenness that's in our world, you know, uh, if, a, if a teenage daughter comes home and lo and behold, they've turned up pregnant. You know, uh, I read a quote this week that said, hey, everybody's pro-life and except in cases of, uh, you know, rape, uh, incest, and my case was kind of the deal. And I think there's so often, you know, with parents, it's like, oh, I know I'm pro-life. And then that child comes home and that temptation to look at the future and see everything and, and to believe the lies that are out there. So how would you counsel that parent who is going to have a child that walks in the door someday and says, hey, 
dad, I'm pregnant. Well, first of all, I would just want to start by saying this, that's why we're having this conversation, because yeah. you want to be that parent that does everything you can, that sets your daughter up so she's not looking for affection, um, you know, in, in a way that you as a father should have provided. Um, but maybe you've done everything you can, and um, there's issues that lead her in a situation to where she made a mistake, right? And uh, or made an active choice over a series of weeks, and eventually she found herself pregnant, and you know about it. You know, I, I think the first thing she's looking at is like, is she, I think she would want to know, do, do you love me? Is this it? Are you, are you going to be effect, uh, concerned now how my pregnancy affects you? Mm-hmm. Or are you concerned now about how um, the choices I've made are going to affect my life? And do you love me, and do you want to enter into my confusion and my fear and my pain and my brokenness, or are you going to make this about you? And so I would just say, you know, that's why you abide with Christ, so that you can handle that situation in a way that's going to let your little girl know that maybe one of the first words out of your mouth ought to be, will you please forgive me? That I didn't do everything I could to protect you and to help you um, to where uh, you wouldn't have felt like you needed to put yourself in a situation with a man where this could have happened to you. And I love you. And um, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to move into this with you. We're going to figure it out. And uh, we're not going to let our insecurity, our fear, or the unknown move us away from what we know, which is the goodness of God, that he'll take even what we intended for our own well-being or evil, and uh, he's going to use it for good. So I think you just want to, um, you know, I, I, I think that's just it. You want to respond with all the compassion and grace that Jesus would. Uh, neither do I condemn you, but let's go and sin no more. Let's not keep this ripple effect of rebellion and what seems right to us. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. Yeah. So I, I think I would just go, hey, it's time for me to move in and be God's man. And, and I think one of the most important things you can do is just acknowledge that that didn't happen in isolation. There was some probably silence of Adam that was involved in that at some level. And if nothing else, it doesn't matter, Adam, what you did or not. It's your job to move in there and, and be a life-giving spirit, which is what Christ was. So, um, yeah. Uh, Let me ask you a follow-up question, Todd, just because I've, I've heard this question in a community group. Um, I'm, I think that my daughter is sexually active. My high school daughter is sexually active. And so I'm going to bring her to the doctor and we're going to have her get on birth control pills. Yeah, it's, and the reason Bo's asking this is because uh, this is before we were in community together and I know how he answered it because we, we talked about this and I was so encouraged. And what that gentleman was doing in that situation or what was being considered, if you will, by those individuals was, you know what? My kid's going to be a rebel, rebel against God so I'm going to do everything I can to protect them uh, and I'm going to assist them in their sin. That would not be a good strategy, right? Is to say, hey, you know what? You're going to, um, you know, you're going to look at porn. So I'm going to just help you do it in my house with HDTV. That would be crazy, yeah, right? Yeah. I'm not going to um, <laughs> let you, you know, I'm not going to assist you uh, in in getting birth control pill. I'm going to just continue to fight for your soul and let you experience the consequences. Bo, I know you said some things really well. Just give him your 30 seconds and how you responded to that. Yeah, I, I do think that um, you know, getting pregnant um, is not a sin, right? It's a consequence. And I think like you know, most areas in life, we, now, we both um, don't want to be culpable in encouraging our kids to sin. We don't want to give our kids freedoms when we know they're not capable of managing those things. I think that's to, to Peniel's point earlier that um, when we give our kids abilities to sin on things where we know they're not capable, then our hand's in that. Um, 
and then the, the whole idea of um, protecting our kids from consequences of sin um, and surrendering the flag on the sin, um, there's just no place for that for God's people. Yeah. Let me, you know, I just, I know we're getting close to nine, so you yeah. don't power it down, but I, I, you know, one of the things I'll just say is maybe my closing statement to just my friends here is, and don't grow weary in doing good. Yeah. For in due time you'll reap if you don't grow weary. Parenting um, is a long game. And we're all going to make mistakes. One of the best things you can do is just go home to your kid if they're asleep and just kneel down next to them and pray for them, over them. Believe me, even if they're asleep, they're going to know that you're there. And, 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 and at night when you go in, even you don't talk to them and pray for them, uh, they're going to know that you're laboring for them. But I think one of the things you can do tomorrow is just say, hey, can I just tell you something? I want to honor Jesus. And I want to be God's man or God's woman in your life. And would you just pray with me that would be a good daddy? I mean, I... I I want to talk to you about everything. And I feel like maybe even there's some topics and conversations we didn't have. And, and, and um, I want you to know I'm trying to get better at this too. And I want to help you in every way get better at knowing God and loving him and seeing every good gift that he's given you the way God wants you to. That talks about relationships that you're going to have one day with a man and how you feel and how you love and all these different things. And I just want you to know I'm here for you. I'm learning with you. And would you pray for your dad or your mom that we would serve you well? But have conversations. Lean in. Don't be afraid. Some of you guys are starting a little later, and just ask their forgiveness. Say, I've made a mistake. I've been scared that I was going to do it wrong or talk too much, or I know it's awkward. But it should never be awkward, right, for us to talk about what God didn't think it was awkward to create. So hang in there. I'm so grateful for you. This bodes well. I wish there was 10,000 more of you. Uh, that were in this room, and I'm thankful for you. I'll just say this to encourage you with this. That little girl that we've raised in our home, one of the things she said, Dad, when you're done, make sure that you share with them that my perspective, our perspective is having been raised underneath the covenant of grace that was a godly mom and dad was just that the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places, as the psalmist said. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful to me. And what a gift that is for a daughter to say that. That's Psalm 16, 6. Mm-hmm. right? That my heritage is beautiful for me. That doesn't mean that every day she got up and came and kissed me on the cheek and said, I love the way you're shepherding me. Yeah. <laughs> okay? That means that she's looked back and she just said, I'm so glad God gave me a shepherd. Yeah. But sometimes sheep need a rod and a staff. And I guarantee you they need a shepherd. Yeah. So, shepherd parents. Shepherd. Yeah. That's such a good word, Todd. Thank you. Uh, and that's a great way for us to end. And so as we uh, leave here in a minute, I'm going to ask Penuel if you'll pray for us just to kind of close out our time here in just a minute. But uh, a couple of things we want to let you know. So as you uh, leave tonight, we are going to hand you just a, just a little one-pager, front and back, that just gives you some resources on how do I have these conversations, when do I have these conversations, as well as lists of things like Ricky Shillette's thing on, on homosexuality, uh, messages we've done on pornography and um, uh, you know, just all kinds of things that we want to say, if, if you just don't know where to start, here's where you can start. And then if you go to watermark.org slash parenting, we're going to, uh, we, we just posted five blog posts that are just kind of an unpacking of how to have these conversations at various stages of your child's development. And so that's there and ready for you. And we want you to take full advantage of that, use that, share that, talk about it with your community groups and, and, uh, and just, uh, don't be afraid to have these conversations. I, I want to echo what Todd just said. Some of you are going, man, I wish I had done this, and now what do I do? Because my daughter's 13, I've never had this conversation. And it's never too late. 
It's never too late. And so we want to encourage you to start right where you are. And so that, that's why these resources are, are there for you. And then our team is, is here. So um, uh, the, the family ministry team, we, we want to help you. And so man, if there's ways that we can serve you, questions we can help answer, if we can come alongside of your community group or whatever, you can email us at parenting at watermark.org. We would love the chance uh, to deploy some of our faithful uh, members here who uh, want to w- walk alongside of parents and help you. Uh, so that we can uh, just encourage you in this journey. We know it's a hard journey. We know it can be confusing, and uh, we live in a broken world, and we want to help you, and we believe that the gospel is true, that the Bible is, uh, is trustworthy, and, uh, and that it applies to our lives as we're trying to shepherd these kids. And so thank you again for being here, and David, would you just close us in prayer? Yes, thanks, brother. You guys pray with me. Well, Lord, uh, we just thank you so much uh, for the blessing uh, that children are. Um, and the incredible just stewardship that it is to have a life that you've created entrusted to us and uh, all the the joy that is potential and inherent in that. But Lord, we just confess that there's also uh, a lot of fear and uh, sometimes even guilt and shame and sense of failure uh, that we haven't stewarded that life uh, perfectly or appropriately. And so we ask that you'd help us. Um, We thank you for the wisdom that's contained in your word Uh, that is communicated by your people uh, and the encouragement, support, and truth and guidance that is provided uh, in the community uh, that we have the opportunity to walk in here. I pray that you would help anyone in this room that doesn't know you uh, to seek you diligently uh, tonight and to come to understanding of how they can have a right relationship with you and, and be included in your family with others in this room. And I pray that those of us that do know you would continue to walk according to your word, that we would trust you and that we would faithfully shepherd and train up uh, the children that you've entrusted to our care so that they might be uh, just shining examples of your glory to this dark, dark world. So, Lord, protect us, protect our children, uh, help us to be great parents for the glory of your name. And and in in that name I pray, amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Y'all have a great night.